Welcome to Backstage at the Enharmonic. I am your host, Sean J. Kennedy. Today's guest is world-famous saxophone player and producer, Richie Kanata. Richie Kanata, thanks for joining me today on my podcast. The listeners are probably most familiar with your legendary recordings with Billy Joel, the Beach Boys, and the work at your uh, world-class recording studio, Cove City Sound Studios, up in uh, Long Island. And some of our younger listeners probably are most familiar with your work with John Stamos and uh, Uncle Jesse and the Rippers on Full House. But today what I'd like to do is go way back. I thought it would be interesting to find out, as far back as you can remember, what was some music that you may have heard around your house that you think has had a lasting impact on your career? Well, thank you for having me uh, part of this, Sean, and uh, a tribute to you and your uh, great um, sense of education and drumming. And uh, this is the reason why I'm, I'm on your podcast, because we've actually played together and made some music together which is uh, something that your audience should know. As far as my uh, um, awareness in my house, uh, I was four years old. Uh, and, you know, the thing that we have, which is this gift of God or whatever the spirit is, I used to watch cartoons, but I, I would not look at them as much as I would listen to them and figure out the music. So when a, car- a cartoon was being, you know, watched by my brothers and sisters and things like that, I'm, I'm listening to the music, figuring out what they would do, and I was only four years old, not not knowing what the what I really was doing. But I was going, "What is that?" And those notes, and then I would run to a piano that we had at the house, and I would figure it out. That went on for that went on for years and years and years and years. And then at some point, my uh, my dad saw that I liked music, and he started playing Stan Getz records and uh, Henry Mancini records and big band records and. You know, his style of, of music, which was Sinatra and Tony Bennett back in the day, believe it or not. Um, and that was the beginning of me listening to music and really loving it. Well, that's incredible. Yeah, I remember from when I was younger, uh, there was the reruns of the old Spider-Man cartoon. And that's one of the first things that really got me into jazz, I think, because it had like this Mingus sound to it. I didn't know it as a three-year-old. Uh, what were some of the cartoons that you really dug the uh, themes to? Do you remember what they were? Well, it was a lot of Disney stuff. Uh, Mickey Mouse. Um, uh, things, you know, they were a lot of them, a lot of them were in black and white, believe it or not, too, you know, uh, right. and you know, the farmer gray ones, even, even way, way back. And the orchestrations, if you can get your hands on some of that, that stuff, I mean, it was incredible. It wasn't, you know, done by a music programmer. It was done by somebody scoring these things and, you know, an orchestra playing them. Um, wow. incredible, incredible clarinet music, incredible string uh, solely sections, you know, where, you know, a cat is chasing a mouse, you know, or Mickey's doing something. It's, it's, it's take a minute. And even, even today, listen to some of the Disney, uh, music beds. They're, they're amazing. They're fantastic. So this one was Farmer Gray, you said it was a cartoon. Well, I think it was called Farmer Gray. It was way, way back in the day and Disney more Mickey mouse than anything okay. else. You know, those cartoons and, and of, of that nature, you know, there was like a Betty Boop, <laughs> it's right, coming back school. to me now. Yeah, old school. Great nice. music. Good. I'll have to go back and research that, and so will some of uh, the listeners at the YouTube that or access those mm-hmm. somehow. Now, what was the progression between cartoons and piano, and then to was it clarinet and then saxophone, or did you play saxophone right away? No, clarinet. It was it was piano. I started on piano, and then mm-hmm. um, I at, at at school I joined. Uh, um, 
I guess it was the band slash orchestra, whatever, you know, I needed to play and they needed clarinet players. I kind of wanted to play the trombone, believe it or not. And really? I'm happy I didn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they said, and yeah, it was crazy. I, I was thinking about a trombone, how cool it would be, but they needed clarinet players. And I said, you know what? Clarinet is good. And I had a, a close buddy who was taking clarinet and we both took up the clarinet and I, I immediately said, yeah, this is, this is my instrument. I loved it. And then I would say I was probably about five or six years old. Um, really? When you by eight, yeah, I was very, very young. And then by eight, I was playing tenor saxophone. Then they moved me How over to the playing? high school. Wow. That's really young to start clarinet. Was it, was it a, um, like a, the, um, no, it was a regular, it was a regular, a regular B flat clarinet. It was very hard because my hands were small, right. but it was also, it was also metal. Wow. And was it yeah, open roll the keys? Yep. Yep. Wow. And it was metal. But it was easier <laughs> to play. And um, and I only stayed on the middle one for a little bit until I liked it. Then my dad decided that I was going to rent one from the school or somebody, and I got a wooden one. So by, like, first grade, second second grade in there, I was I was rocking with a, uh, uh, I guess it was a buffet clarinet. Wow, it was actually man. a pretty good one. Yeah. That's incredible. These days, most kids start around fourth grade, you know, I guess because their fingers are big enough or whatever. But you know, it, it really definitely young. was a problem. But I was, I was, I was rocking it, man. And then, and I was playing first chair. Wow. Then they moved me over. Then they moved me over to. I could read. I was reading and making notes, and and I was. And then they, uh, I, I had this ability to blow uh, an ad lib. So they then I was, I guess, about like four or five. Uh, I guess let's see. I was, what's second, third grade? That's five or six years old, right? Yeah, yeah. Six, six seven years, around six or seven, they put me in the, the um, high school Dixieland band. Oh, my God. Are there pictures of this somewhere? Oh, yeah, there's, there's, there's my high school yearbook. There's pictures of me playing with these. Then, do you remember a show called Wonderama? It was a show yeah, on Channel 5 in New York. It was this really great kids show. It was broadcast out of New York. And uh, they asked me to go on that TV show, and I played... Uh, Dixieland um, with a bunch of my uh, buddies from school when I was like, I guess around seven years old. Oh my God. Uh, Were you listening to Dixieland? Yeah. My dad brought home Pete Fountain records, Benny Goodman records. Um, Uh Pete Fountain was amazing. And a matter of fact, when I became an adolescent and what's an adolescent, I guess I was in my way in my twenties at this point. Right. My dad, Mm -hmm. um, took me to New Orleans and, and surprised me for a birthday to go see Pete Fountain. Oh, my God. At his club? At, what is it called? Pete's Place or something? Or I forget. He had a place down there. Uh, yeah, he had a place. That's the place. Uh, wow. I think it was called Pete's Place. You're right. I sat there and went, I can't believe I'm listening to Pete Fountain. I might have been just about 20 years old. Oh, my God, man. I saw him right at the end of his career. I saw him and Al Hurt up in uh, Bethlehem here. Oh, my God. Uh, Al Hurt. I yeah. haven't heard that name in a while. It blew me away, man. My one of my favorite recordings is Pete's. Um, what is it? Stranger on the Shore. I don't know if you know that one. Uh huh. I don't. I'd have to hear it. I probably do know it. You know. Yeah. That's awesome. But then, but New Orleans was New Orleans was a big thing for me, and I would then frequent, uh, um, you know, trips down there to listen to these great clarinet players. They just blew me away. Of which I fed, then eventually married a, a New Orleans girl, um, a Lafayette, Louisiana girl, and I got wow. married in New Orleans. I didn't know that. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. It seems like your formative years were spent a lot with the New Orleans Dixieland stuff and a lot of clarinet. Well, um, 
I, I had a little band, we, you know, this little band that we played with at school. And uh, this, this drummer's dad was a jazz bass player. And he said to me, um, at some point, if you want to go out there and make music, you've got to play the saxophone. I said, okay, cool, I'll do that. And he said, and I was just a little kid, right? And he goes, but you've got to play tenor. I said, really? I said, okay. And I got myself a tenor. It was bigger than me. And mm-hmm. uh, I loved it. I loved it. And that was the beginning of me playing. And then I, I started playing um, uh, big band stuff. I love big band. And I played, you know, the, uh, the jazz chair uh, with the tenor. Uh, mm-hmm. And from there, it just became one thing to the next. And I loved rock and roll and I had a band. And the Beatles were a big influence. And, and uh, uh, you know, I never looked back. I never had a job. Still never had a, I have not had a <laughs> That's job. That's great. <laughs> That's great, yeah. man. Uh, the Dixieland thing is really interesting to me because, you know, me coming up, I knew you as a rock saxophone player. Um, and now I'm um, learning this stuff. It gives me a whole new appreciation of uh, of your playing and where you came from, which is really cool. What's Sean, think about, yeah. on the, uh, think about on the Stranger record and Scenes from Italian Restaurant where Billy goes, mm-hmm. we, we would, we, Billy knew my influence about clarinet and, and New Orleans, and I was married to Shirlene at the time. The song about New Orleans, and I play a oh, clarinet yeah, yeah. solo in that song. It goes right. back to then. That's and awesome, man. if you listen to the theme of 52nd Street on Billy's record, on, on, on uh, the 52nd Street record, I have a, a, a clarinet uh, Dixie solo on that. Right. That's awesome. Making, no, making sense now, isn't it? <laughs> it is, man. It all comes together. Yeah, it's not out of nowhere. It's like, oh, now I know why you did that. Now, do you still get the clarinet out every once in a while in a jam? I don't, even know, I don't even know where my clarinet is. I do everything on <laughs> soprano now. Okay. I wouldn't dare touch that instrument. It's too hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a beautiful instrument, but I, I do everything on soprano. When I get a call for uh, double reads, I let them know I'm going to do it. If they want something like that, it's got to be on soprano. Are there any uh, clarinet players out that you're digging now, like uh, people on the scene now that you're checking out or um, be into other stuff? Uh, there's a, oddly enough, there's a young kid that's out from uh, Australia. And uh, his name is Adrian Cunningham. And you want to check out a Dixie uh, legitimate swing clarinet player. He is like the best. And he's, really? not, he's not a kid. He's 30, 40 years old. Amazing. Okay. Amazing. And he and I played together. He'll bring his instrument to my Monday night jams at the bitter end. And uh, I just hired, uh, um, uh, excuse me, I didn't hire. I had a client that came in and he hired Adrian to put together a a jazz slash New Orleans type um, band, and he played clarinet on it, and I forgot how good he was, and that was just recently. Sean, this guy is amazing. you got to check That's him out. Awesome. All right, so let's see. I know you have some exciting uh, new stuff going on, especially with our mutual friend Liberty. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Well, you're such uh, so close to him, you just call him Liberty. His name is Liberty DeVito. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and uh, um, I actually know him as Lib, so... <laughs> and uh, okay. Liberty and I uh, were the original band members uh, with Billy Joel. And um, we have, uh, with Russell Javers, the original guitar player, we have started a band called the Lords of 52nd Street. And uh, we've been out there gigging, and we started about a couple months ago. And it's been something that's really been amazing because the band is absolutely fantastic. It's all that great music, the way we played it back in, when we first recorded it and toured in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Fantastic. I think it's coming to you guys at New Hope. 
in a couple months. In uh, June, mm. I think you're going to be around here, right at New Hope. Great. Right? You coming uh, to that gig? Oh, you're going to yep, love it. Yep. Yep. We're going to come out and check it out, so I can't wait. You're going to love it. That's awesome. It's man. absolutely fantastic. We're doing all the songs in the right keys and the right tempos. And uh, we've got a Billy Joel principal guy. His name is David Clark. And uh, he has uh, really studied the way we want this music to be heard, which is the way we kind of did it back in, uh, uh, you know, when we recorded in the, in the uh, mid to uh, late 70s. And uh, it's, it's the way this music should be heard. And when you, when you hear it, you're going to say, oh, my God, that's why Billy is where he is today. You know, we, right. we were a great band and we took care of business, you know, so. You guys influenced me. You're one of the main reasons I got into it. So, you know, I can't wait to see the real thing uh, live in a few weeks myself. So, very you know, you've been playing with you've been playing with Lib for a while now, back and forth, doing clinics and things like that. There's nobody that plays the drums these parts better than Liberty. Nobody. Yep. Nobody. And you'll see him, you'll see why he's he's this this rock drummer, God. He's insane, mm-hmm. bro. He's insane, and he's exactly killing right, it. Man. And, and we're out there. But no, nobody plays our parts better than than we do. There's just there's all the tribute bands and all these people that want to run around and say that they can play Liberty's parts or the saxophone parts that I wrote. Nobody plays them better than we we do because we wrote the parts. It comes from our souls. The music comes mm-hmm. from our being. You know, our there with Billy as he asked us to create these songs. You know, with him. You know, not reading notes, not the, you know trying to figure something out that wasn't there. It was from our hearts and souls. It's music. You know, no programming, no beat detective, no, no auto-tuning, no shifting of kick drums, you know, no tuning of saxophones. We played this stuff, 24-track, you know, no digital set of hands to fix anything. And that's why it sounds as good as it is. And that's why 40 years later, you know, people are coming out to hear it. That's incredible, man. That's great. Real musicians, in my my opinion, that's how I quantify it. You You know, know. real musicians making real music. Back, back, back when you were making records, when if you go back to your parents' record collections, or even maybe your own if you were really young, there was a 24-track machine and a, and a great console, an analog console in recording studios. You had to be actually good to go into that studio and play, and mm-hmm. play in time and sing in tune. You had to do that because you can't fix it. So mm-hmm. you put a bunch of guys in a room that all can do that, Man, there's a good chance you're going to make some good music. Look, look at all the great music that was done with Springsteen and and you know the the uh, uh, and Billy and James Taylor and the Beatles and you know it, the the list goes on and on. Aerosmith and all the bands that set up and played, you know, they set up and played, and made music, they made great music. Now it's you know it's it's a guy sitting in a room the size of a bathroom with a crack of Pro Tools. And every plugin you could think of, and thinking he's making music, he's making a form of entertainment, but it's not music, music as you know it. You know, all the people right, are taking exactly. gigs away from you from playing the drums because they've got some program that they can do it in a sample of snare drum and a kick drum. What the exactly heck is right. that? I know, man. You know, get behind a, a, a kit, sit on a throne, put a pair of sticks in your hand. You know, go to the left and play the hi hat. Have it go up and down. Go over to the ride, you know, hit the toms. I mean, that's music. That's music, mm-hmm. you, you know. So, and that's how we made those records. And that would, that's what Liberty DeVito is all about. And when we play this music, you hear that. You go, wow, that's the difference. That's the difference. You've got to experience it because it's not around much anymore, you know, that's right. for what you hear in the radio. 
you've got to dig deep to find, you know, places that uh, there are real musicians playing real music, you know. Because right. mostly everything's right. all tracks. They're all tracks. They're all, and even even a lot of our our colleagues in this business, and I say colleagues, you know, the ones that are taking time um, up in, you know, the same venues that I play, you know, they've got, they've got, uh, plugins and, and tracks that they're playing to and auto tuning as they're singing. And come on, guys, you know, spend the time and learn your parts mm-hmm. and get out right. there and sing and play. You know, we don't do that. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm with you. I'm glad you guys are still, uh, you know, forging ahead and making new music. So I know you have different projects you're doing with new uh, bands. You have your own yeah. band, um, yeah. which is great. Liberty has a different. He has the Slim Kings. So um, mm-hmm. you're still you're still creating. You're still out there, which is incredible. Can't help it. Can't help it. Go back to four years old watching cartoons. You know. Yep. Can't help it. God gave us That's that gift. Point. You know, all we're doing is pursuing it. It's what we do. It's you know, it's a blessing and a curse. You know the deal. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the old what's the old expression the the easiest way to get a musician to complain is to get him a gig so. right <laughs> right <laughs> that's it that's it um so if the listeners want to find out more about you i guess they can go to richiecanada.com is that the best place mm-hmm. to go that's the best place okay. yep perfect so uh again right. thanks for taking the time uh, i can't wait to see you soon and uh, my best to your family and um if you have any parting words go ahead if not then i'm done no, what I can only say is that, and I've said this, uh, and it's very, very blessed year for me. Is it's all, it's all about the music, and enjoy it. And when you hear something good, it's for a reason because it is good. So God bless everybody. God bless you, Sean, and your great family. And uh, we'll hook up soon, buddy. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Richie. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye.